Yo, hello everybody. What is up? What's we up, back. my dude? <laughs> hey everybody, welcome back to another episode of the Pixelist Podcast. And uh, we're recording this. This is not our norm, not our usual. Thanks for hanging with us. It is yeah. currently one day till it's Wednesday, my dudes. <laughs> one day away from Thursday, Critical Role Day. And uh, we're recording this episode a little late. So before we get into that, though, uh, I'm Blake. That's oh, Will. That's me. Yeah, sorry. <laughs> no, no, no. <laughs> we're, the, we're the Pixelists, and we like to talk about all things nerdy that we enjoy. So we talk about Marvel. We talk about D&D, other random shows, movies, games that we really enjoy. And we just, it's it's a talk show. We literally just talk about the things that we love, and we theorize, like, our best ideas for what's going to happen. And so you are joining us to discuss the latest episode, episode six of Critical Role Campaign 3. And uh, we're happy to have you here today. So don't forget, we are on Twitter. If we're ever like, not publishing on the right day, you can always check out our Twitter at The Pixelists to kind of know what's going on. And yeah. also, we do have a podcast, The Pixelist Podcast, literally on any podcast platform. Um, mostly Spotify, actually, now that I think about it. Um, but having said that, apologies that we're recording late today. Uh, we had a couple things happen. Yeah. Uh, my guy, you just keep going on awesome vacations. Nah. So... I need it's, you to stop enjoying life and be I available know, bro, for I, Critical Role. Trust me, I, I'm glad to be home and hopefully home for a while now. But yeah, I, I was out of town this past weekend. Are you are you a homebody? Mm-hmm. Okay. Are yeah. you? Yeah, I think so. I definitely am. I think I, after like, once I've like had my like route, like once I've gone and done, like I'm like, yeah, I think I'm good. I think I'm ready to, you know, release back into my home. Yeah. No, <laughs> envision, yeah. Uh, you know, potential dune spoiler when a certain someone's in like the big tar bowl you know or he's just like oh. <laughs> thing, you know it's kind of envision yeah. me and my just like ah yeah <laughs> i bet that feels nice you know it does like a nice so, spa we'll uh, talk about dune later i guess <laughs> yeah but yeah definitely a homebody and yeah glad to be home but so yeah my apologies this was totally my fault for us recording late i've been out of town since uh thursday um but we're back. I actually just got to watch the episode yesterday. I think you did too. So even though we're really late recording last night. this, it's fresh yeah. on our minds because we just saw it. Um, yeah. But yeah, uh, so today it's, it is this episode six, right? Yes, episode yeah. six. So we're talking about episode six today. But the good news is that this is so late, only 24 hours away from episode seven. So, you know, there's, there's a lot to talk about too today. There's yeah. a lot to discuss, a lot to talk about. Some big implications, and like you said, only 24 hours till episode seven. So yeah, kind of baby. a good thing, I guess. Yeah. You know, silver lining, right? right. Um, but before we jump into our normal episode, a few things I wanted to, to hit on uh, really quick is, um, first of all, uh, happy birthday, my guy. Blake uh, just had a birthday a couple days ago. I uh, Since I was out of town, I missed it, but just uh, wanted to wish you a happy birthday. One year older. And one year closer to death. <laughs> True. <laughs> but um, actually, since I was out of town, I didn't get to give you your gift. But uh, I had a little helper. And uh, your gift is is with you right now. It's uh, behind the white sign is what I was, was told. <laughs> okay. 
Is it a jackal? <laughs> All right, hang on, hang on. Yeah, yeah. I will have a sip of my coffee during this dead air. I'm amazed that I didn't see this before when I came in. Uh, normally, like when the sign's set up, you know, because it's like an office, so it's like a disaster yeah. back there. Um, thanks, my guy. Am I opening this on camera? Yeah, I mean, if you want to, you don't have to. It's, if that's it's like not awkward. anything, it's not anything offensive, is it? Or? No, no, no. <laughs> you know, just a little something. All right, let's take a look here. All right. Okay. 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 Let's see what we got here. Oh my gosh, this is awesome. <laughs> this is awesome. Do you remember that? <laughs> Robbie Damon's shirt. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, dude from Alexandria <laughs> Unlimited. Awesome shirt. Uh, popular meme format and an excellent, excellent shirt. Thank you, my friend. That You're is welcome, an amazing dude. birthday gift. You're uh, everyone else, you can send your birthday gifts to the address <laughs> in the top comment. P.O. Box. Yeah. <laughs> Coming soon. Thank you, my dude. Of course, oh, cool, man. man. I'm going to love wearing that shirt. And, and I think also what's really cool for you guys who are watching who you also love D&D. Um, I think for me, part of the joy of D&D is also like inviting other people into it. It's a very inclusive circle. And like when people get it and it clicks, they're like, oh, this is awesome. So yeah. it'll be fun to wear that shirt. And people will be like, what the heck is that? And be like, oh, <laughs> I'm glad you asked. Let me tell you. So anyway, well, cool, man. Thank you, my, my, my yeah. dude. You're welcome, dude. Happy birthday. All and right. Well, uh, go ahead. Uh, yeah, just a couple other things I wanted to just briefly mention before we started was, um, I think last episode, which was like two weeks ago, because, you know, Critical Role was off for a week and then, you know, I've been out of town. So it's been a minute. Uh, we mentioned we were going to do Hawkeye, which I think there's been, I think today, the fourth episode of Hawkeye came out. Uh, we haven't done any yet because, like I said, been out of town and stuff. So I don't, I don't know if we're still going to do that. I think if anything, we might like do a video once the whole show's done and we could kind of yeah. talk about our thoughts on it. Um, but just in case yeah. any of you were like, you guys, where is that? You said it was coming. Um, I just wanted to update you there. And then looking forward, um, I think we're going to do The Witcher, which that comes out pretty soon. We still need when, to figure out. Is it soon? Yeah, dude. It's in like a week. What? It's a, a little over a week. It comes out the day after Spider-Man No Way Home comes out. December 17th. Yeah. So Dude. since that's since that's Holy a Netflix crap. show. Yeah. I okay. don't know like the Netflix shows are weird. We need we need to hear you guys on what you think yeah. that format looks like cuz typically what happens is we watch it, we talk about it and kind of the fun is getting y'all's ideas for like this is what i think's happening like that's mm -hmm. been really fun with critical role it's different with the netflix show because like it's all there because yeah right it comes out once so definitely want to hear what you guys think what's still the episodic format and you know you watch episode one and then you hear what we think i, I don't know i mean yeah. i'd love to hear what you guys think is the best or what other channels you guys follow what that typically looks like so yeah so yeah we'd either do like a, a schedule of like you know, one a week, or maybe we just watch them all and talk about the whole show, kind of like maybe what we'll do with Hawkeye. But yeah, I wanted to mention that. And then we haven't done any movies yet, but bro, I think we're going to have to do an episode of this after Spider-Man with just like all the craziness that seems to be coming with that. Have you bought your tickets yet? That's the important Yeah, I did. Question. Did you? Oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> I was trying to gatekeep you, and then you did, and I was like, oh, dang. Bro, it was crazy, because they were like all sold out like instantly. I just barely got oh, a couple seats for, for Ashley and I. Um, Can I mention that IMAX is not as good as it was when we were younger? Like the theater I went to for Dune, the seats were, you know, like I feel like we're all used to like the lean back seat. You know, it's like really yeah. cozy and comfy. They didn't have those seats. Oh. It was like old seats. Did you go here? So I was like, yeah. 
Interesting. Yeah. Bummer. Anyway. <laughs> uh, well, we've probably jibber jawed enough about random things. Yep. Um, you want to get to talking about the episode? Yeah, I guess let's talk about what we're here for. Uh, so yeah, yeah, Critical Role episode six. Um, Rowing bonds and teasing threads. Oh yeah, we usually don't have the episode title when we do this. Got so you. That's fancy. All right, yeah. Uh, yeah. And so for those of you that are new to us, what we like to start with is a recap of the episode. You know, help people keep all the information fresh and uh, such long form content. You know, sometimes you just need a uh, recap. So anyway, <laughs> um, we we do cut this out and put the recap by itself on YouTube as well, just to you know have that content there for those of you that need it. So if you happen to be at on that recap video right now, hello from the past. Uh, but also. Uh, if you're interested in hearing Blake and I's actual discussion, theory crafting, and everything, uh, we will link to the full video down below. So feel free to check that out. Um, but yeah, without further ado, I guess let's uh, jump right into this. <clears throat> okay, so uh, the episode picks up right where we left off last time with the party um, heading to the Spire by Fire to kind of rest and lick their wounds after this, you know, big battle with Duggar and their, you know, conversation with Estorosh. Uh, last week or you know a couple weeks ago at this point um anyway so they arrive at the spire by fire and uh ashton basically has this great idea to uh play a game and kind of learn more about each other and the game is called what the fuck's up with that and it's it's very simple how it works is uh well he buys some liquor so it's like a drinking game um but the rules are simple they basically roll the dice and whoever rolls the highest gets to ask a question of whoever rolled the lowest and um Ashton says that, you know, you're allowed to be vague. You don't have to incriminate anyone, but you have to be honest. And so the party's like, yeah, let's do this. Um, but FCG's like, well, what what do I do if I don't drink? And everyone's like, oh, yeah, you know, you don't drink. They're like, what happens if you do drink? So he does, like, take a shot really quick, and the liquid just disappears inside of him and doesn't seem to have any effect. Uh, so they're like, here, uh, FCG, you just eat these pieces of copper. That's what you'll do in, instead of drinking. Um, Anyway, so the game begins, and in the first round, uh, we have Laudna asking Dorian a question. So Dorian rolled the lowest, Laudna the highest. And she wants to know about his his fancy clothes, his, like, up upkept demeanor. Um, he always looks so clean, and, like, he comes from wealth. So she's like, you know, what's up with that? Uh, and he says, you know, it is wealth, but it's inherited wealth. Um, and they're like, oh my gosh, are you a lord or are you a prince? And he's like... Uh, no, you know, it's not like that. Um, well, not really. And he says uh, he is second in line to a prominent family that has a lot of money, but it's a family, you know, probably no one's ever heard of. Um, and it's clear that he doesn't really, he's not really comfortable talking about this. And um, FCG asks why he's embarrassed of his family. And he's like, you know, I'm not really embarrassed. Like my family, they're good people. Um, but sometimes, you know, just being a good person is not enough. And uh, he claims that, he had these expectations for himself that he like wanted to fulfill for his family, but he wasn't able to. And so he decided to kind of strike out his own and, you know, carve out his own destiny at that point. Um, and that's essentially the end of his round. Uh, round two, we have Fern asking Ashton if they've ever been in love before. And Ashton says they don't know and the party kind of talks about like the different kinds of love, you know, like romantic love, like friendship love. And Ashton says they think they have loved someone before. And it was about 10 years ago. Um, 
and he doesn't really reveal much more about that but he does say you know i did have love for my old crew you know in the way like a friendship type of love um and he reveals that uh his old crew was called the nobodies and it was basically this group of people that they the kids that had all like they'd all grown up together um but he reveals that they have all left town except for him uh and uh, the party asks, like, well, you know, what happened? And he says, you know, that's that's another question. So he doesn't reveal anything more than that. In round three, we have uh, Fresh Cut Grass asking Fern what her greatest regret is. Um, and she thinks about this for a while and then isn't quite ready to talk about it. So uh, she, you know, takes a shot and asks if there's another question that uh, FCG has. So FCG asks, uh, okay, what are you, Orem and Dorian in Drusar for like why are y'all here and she says that uh they came to this place to meet up with some friends of Orum but really that was you know more of Orum's thing and that would really be a question for him and so FCG asks yet a third question and uh just asks about her her thievery how like <laughs> why she steals so much Stick and, fingers yeah exactly and she she reveals that it's not really about the thrill of like actually taking something it's more that she just loves to collect things and have things. And she uh, talks about back home in her bedroom, how she just has like this huge collection of trinkets from, you know, that she's collected from her different travels. And um, just in that conversation, she also reveals that, you know, she lived with her grand uh, grandmother, Maury, and, you know, this was in the Feywild. Um, and that basically concludes that round. And round four, Laudna asks Imogen how she's feeling about uh, her father and the fact that, you know, she had to kind of reveal him as collateral to the Hubak Corsairs. And um, Imogen reveals that, you know, she's nervous, but she she had a really good feeling about the Corsairs. And so she doesn't think they're going to just, you know, like do anything to her dad for no reason. Um, you know, plus, you know, he's he's pretty far away in their town, uh, which is in the Talent Highlands. Uh, but then she does reveal a bit about her life growing up. Um, we find out that she hasn't always had these, you know, telepathic abilities. They are, they are rather new to her. Uh, new meaning like the last few years, um, but hasn't always had them. And um, she reveals that, you know, it's probably better for her dad that she has left. She thinks he's probably happier and living a better life because once she had these abilities on set... Um, it became hard for her to be around people. So she kind of had to be reclusive, which made meant her father kind of had to be reclusive. Plus they were getting, you know, like weird looks and, you know, it was like the rumors around the town, like, you know, what's up with Imogen. And so it was very kind mm. of socially awkward and uh, lonely. So she thinks her dad's probably doing better that she's gone. And um, she does reveal that, uh, you know, she was pretty miserable un up until Laudna came to town and she said that was the first time she felt any peace. And we find out that they have been traveling together for about two years now. Um, then in round five, uh, we have Fern asking a question of Orem. But she says, you know, I know Orem pretty well. So instead, uh, she takes a question from Ashton to ask Orem. And he just asks, okay, what are you guys doing here? Like, why are you here? What's going on? And Orem says that he is here on a mission for his hometown, Zephra, that um, someone attacked his home and he is here to learn more. Uh, and that certain breadcrumbs had kind of pointed them to Drusar and that's why they're here um, to find out more. Uh, and we find out more about this later, but that's all he reveals um, in this moment. 
So then in round six, we have Orem asking FCG. And uh, Orem asks, uh, he wants to know more about FCG's origin. And Orem says that, like, you know, I've only seen one thing kind of like you in my days. And it wasn't even that much like you. So he's like, you know, are your brothers and sisters like the only ones like you that you've met? Like, he's basically just asking more about FCG's origin and like, you know, kind of just wants to shed some light on that. Um, but FCG starts to answer, but he just start he gets like stuck and he just starts repeating the same word over and over. He's like, I am, 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 am. And he does that right. a couple times and the party's like, whoa, like what's going on? Can he not like access these memories or is there like certain information he's not allowed to like, you know, access? And um, Orem's like, hey, you know, I'm so sorry. Like he realizes kind of he's asking too much. And so he instead changes the question to uh, how old are you? And uh, FCG says that they are with Dancer for two years. So I guess I'm two years old. And um, Fern loves that because she loves babies. And uh basically oh yeah dorian asks also he didn't really have a question but i guess he just asked this anyway he asks if fcg can dream and uh fcg says I don't, he doesn't think he can but um he's gonna start trying to tonight uh and then finally we have round seven which is kind of the biggest one save the best for last where we have um fcg asking ladna a question and he asks are you dead like what the fuck's up with that <laughs> yeah <laughs> Uh, Ladna says she's not entirely sure. She thinks she probably is, um, but she thinks maybe she's like at a some sort of cross between you know life and death. Um, she says she definitely did die, and then just woke up one day surrounded by other corpses. Um, she said all of Whitestone was in a, a panic of a death and a nightmarish, and so she just ran away. And that was thirty years ago. Um, whatever happened, she was like hit with like a necromantic blast she says and boom she woke up and she was alive um she reveals that she was 20 years old when this happened and since that was 30 years ago in a way she's like 50 but you right. know she still looks 20 um and she also says that she thinks she was only dead for about 48 hours um she remembers all of her previous life and we do have confirmation that she is human like that was that's her race or at least it was her race um and so we just get a bunch about her backstory here. And she uh, reveals that uh, she she had magical abilities even as a young girl. So like this, the, her magic isn't new from like, you know, being undead or whatever. Um, and she says that her parents were just like these simple, humble farmers on the outskirts of Whitestone. Uh, they were pretty naive, not really keen to the political goings on of Whitestone. And they basically just wanted a better life for their daughter so the fact that she had these magical abilities you know they were like here you know like you can make something of yourself and the implication is that like they are they kind of give her over to the briarwoods who are the um the custodians of whitestone during this time like the leaders and uh you know since her parents were naive they didn't really understand what was happening and one thing led to another i guess but all we know is that um ladna was killed uh presumably by the briarwoods um and you know the rest is this kind of history we don't know why but mm. she died and now has been brought back um mm. she also reveals that her parents are dead and that basically for the last 30 years she has just been traveling from town to town kind of setting up in the woods and being this the spooky undead witch until yeah. like the townspeople find and find out and run her out of town 
And uh, mm-hmm. so that's just been what she's doing up until she met um, mm-hmm. Imogen. And, you know, they've been traveling together mm-hmm. for the... And there's the detail, too, that she hears... Yes. Uh, yeah, sorry. No, 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 you're good. And, uh, th- yeah, we do find out that um, she has been... She, she hears a voice in her head that is presumably... Uh, we don't have confirmation of that in this moment, but it, it's uh, Delilah Briarwood. Um, okay, because they, they said D Briarwood, yeah, mm-hmm. and I didn't know who D was. So, yeah. okay, and um, interesting. I never yeah. saw campaign one, so uh, I don't know we'll, what this means. We'll but... talk about it. We'll talk <laughs> okay. about it. Um, so yeah, and that that basically wraps up her, and that basically wraps up the uh, the entire game. Um, there's a there's a little moment where Dorian plays a song for everyone. And uh, Imogen actually reads his mind uh, because being so like, you know, she's a little intoxicated and she kind of doesn't have her walls up. So she's kind of just, you know, like an unfiltered telepath. Um, And Dorian actually or Robbie actually goes and whispers to Laura what she finds out, which we don't find out in this moment. But we do find out later, a little bit later that um, he was just thinking of his mother while he was playing that song. And um, (laughs) Ladna also in this moment gives Dorian a Bertrand doll that she made out of chicken <laughs> yeah. bones and a Bertrand's hair. And he's like, Oh, thanks. Yeah. I forgot uh, about that. <laughs> and then, um, Oh, one other qu- qu- cute, quick little moment was Fern, uh, takes FCG and turns him upside down to see if like that lick where the liquid went and it does come back out of his mouth and she just drinks it. Yeah. Um, but anyway, so everyone, um, you know, goes to bed and we do have a little moment of right before Laudna uh, goes to sleep that she hears that voice in her head. Uh, and she says, careful, dear, some things are meant to be kept secret. Um, ooh. Anyway, so they all go to sleep and the next morning they wake up, they're kind of deciding, you know, what should we do? But ultimately land on going to meet with the Hubak Corsairs again and fill them in on, you know, everything that's happened, you know, that they found and defeated Duggar and just kind of get caught up. Um, so they make their way there, you know, use the phrase, we've come to loosen the snare, uh, which is the good phrase. And they're taken back to the same area and um, they end up talking to Yash once again, who is who they talked to last time. And they basically just fill him in, uh, tell him about Duggar. And the main thing they talk about is making that connection with Estros to see if, you know, they could could make that relationship um, so they present that to Yash and he tells them, you know, oh yeah, I'm familiar with Estrosh, um, you know, the inheritor of Mistress Prudage. And he's like, there's a lot of rumors about that guy, you know, uh, that maybe he killed Mistress Prudage or maybe he's a vampire, which we'll talk about that. And, uh, he's like, yeah, I don't really trust people who've inherited money. Like they're usually not aligned with the same things that, you know, we're trying to do. And the party's like, yeah, you know. Uh, we think you guys might have some things in common. And so Yash says, you know, I'll think about it. And, you know, if, if we do meet, it'll have to be on our terms. And, um, you know, uh, we'll we'll come and find you and let you know if, if we want that connection to be made. Um, and so the party's like, OK, cool. And they basically decide to leave on that. And. Uh, yeah, I, do you want to take it from there? Yeah, totally. Um, great job, by the way. Um, yeah, so the party decides to they decide. Okay, maybe our next line of direction would be going back to Lord Esteros and talking to him. But they also decide, you know what? Maybe we should dip into the Crook House and see if anyone knows um, anything else about maybe the anger 
or Ashad Bregio, um, same person, obviously. And so they make their way to the Crick House, and Milo's missing, but inside is Annie Atta, uh, or Annie Atta, who's reading a book. And uh, uh, Ashton makes this joke of like, you know, I didn't know you could read. <laughs> and, uh, you know, they kind of talk back and forth. They ask him questions, um, ask about Broomstone, and he's like, I've never even heard of that. I don't know what that is. Uh, and you know, really asks about, um, the anger, like, Hey, what do you know about the anger? And, and he's like, Oh yeah. I mean the Loomis twins, which we had known. We, I think we had known that name before. And we had known that like, these were one of like the, um, noble houses, one of the Mahan houses, mm-hmm. but basically, uh, and says, um, yeah, the Loomis twins hired the anger and they're kind of like, yeah, maybe we should go talk to them. And he's like, yeah, okay. <laughs> yeah. Good luck with that. Pretty much just pointing out that like the noble families are extremely exclusive and isolated and they, you know, would not allow um they actually maybe even fear poor people more, people like them than they would, you know, the politics of other rich people. Yeah. Um so they're talking more about it and um FCG is is mentioning, you know, hey, how's your practicing going for uh this performance that Annie's been preparing for in the previous scenes we've seen with them? And uh, FCG is like, yeah, if you want, you could practice or you could play in front of Dorian. Dorian's an act- is a musician. And Annie's a bit, um, ego's a little threatened by this and is like, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, you're a musician, sure. <laughs> and they have like sort of like this Devil Went Down to Georgia-esque um, playoff yeah. jam session against one another. <laughs> and uh, naturally, you know, the party, this was very much reminded me of exu episode um four or five with the talent show but yeah everyone really throws in their own like pizzazz onto dorian um like orium does druidcraft to get this flower to appear over his ear and um uh uh imogen does like i think it was like dancing lights or something that spell out the dorian storm above his (laughs) heads but the really awesome thing about this was they're doing a roll off basically and dorian's like okay yeah i wonder what i roll what i'll roll and he has to roll with advantage because of all this awesome stuff. And he rolls a natural 20. And it's just such a cool moment. And they're like, oh, but you have advantage. And he's like, well, I mean, it's not like going to roll another natural 20. And he rolls it. And it's a second natural 20 in a row. And like everyone loses their mind. That's um, crazy. So cool. So fun. Long story short, he beats Annie in this jam session. And uh, Annie, frustrated, sort of storms out of the room. And Imogen's like, Annie, are you okay? You know? <laughs> and uh Anyway, Storm slams the door and then opens it and says, you know, Ashton, by the way, you have a letter on your in your room. Ashton goes, looks at the letter. We don't know what it says. Uh, in fact, later on, Imogen convinces him to let him let her see the letter, but he redacts most of it. Yeah. Um, and so I, there was some like small detail that was on there. I can't remember what it was, but very vague. Mm-hmm. Um, and again, the majority of it is, is redacted. Right. And Ashton basically says like, um, he's pretty frustrated with this letter. He's, he's shook by it. And, yeah. uh, is basically like, I don't want to get you guys involved in this yet. Like we kind of need to let this, whatever's in this letter sort of play out before we address it. But since he's so upset by it, he does say, basically, I need to go speak to Ephid and, um, you know, starts calling for Ephid goes over to Ephid's house and it's like this ramshacked um, fishing cottage is kind of what I envision, like a little fishing net all over the place. And this um, es- Esfuri? Esfari? 
I don't know how to pronounce yeah, it. I don't like know a, how to use furry or something. We need to, we need to, it's like a bird basically yeah. <laughs> <laughs> old bird, dude. Um, very creepy character, by the way. Yes. So cool. Kind of sort of slinks is very much like old Greg, by the way, if you yes. know that video, very yes. old Greg ish, um, sort of slinks in and you know, hello. <laughs> and, uh, they have like this conversation and they do similar to what they've done in previous scenes. They basically ask like, Hey, what do you know about broomstone? What do you know about um, the anger? You know, what do you know about? And just, they just sort of ask these random questions. Yeah. Um, basically says like, well, yes, of course, you know, broomstone's coming in here constantly, but um, doesn't know any more details other than obviously it's, it must be something incredibly dangerous and it, it likely isn't related to using it for flying ships either. Um, also asks about the person who dropped off the letter that Ashton received. And if it says it was a nicer f- person, um, dressed mm-hmm. quite nice. Um, and then also asks about, um, the anger and the Loomis twins and, um, just basically tries to get more information there as well. And, um, doesn't really get any new insights. Uh, but there is one last detail. Um, Fern asks Ephid not to leave and says, you remind me of a friend of mine. Uh, Dr. Nesbitt, uh, yeah. it was a bird that she had that she named that. So, uh, Ashton, interestingly enough, gives Effid 50 gold yeah. to stay on his good side. And, um, you know, other than that, the only added detail about the anger was that, um, he was a bodyguard for the Loomis twins, which we already knew, but that everything basically fell apart. I mean, everything like went to crap pretty yeah. much. So, um, after this detail, they decide to go see Lord Esteros. And uh, he's having his breakfast. And um, uh, by the way, uh, I forgot Yash had given everyone coffee and oh, yeah. um, FCG <laughs> had dumped the coffee inside of him to like store it like an incubator. Yeah. And there was this great scene where he offers uh, Lord Esteros the coffee and he's like, why is it so warm? <laughs> it just was a really funny, funny scene. Um, they do talk more about... Um, having seen the who bought Corsairs and uh, being willing to organize that meetup still. But Laudan actually points out that there's this rumor that Esteros has actually killed Madame Prudage, the former owner of the home that he was the bodyguard of. And very deliberately, he points out, you know, I've served her for the better half of my life. Um, absolutely would never do such a thing. Uh, Ashton does an insight check after he's like, is, is no one going to challenge this? And, gets a whisper similar to Ladna getting a whisper. I know, or I'm getting a whisper. Um, or wait, no, it was Ladna who got a whisper um, earlier on. A lot of whispering going around, by the yeah, way. Yeah, there was. Um, they ask again about the Loomis twins and just trying to follow that trail. And Estros points out that the Loomis twins are actually dead, um, that they were killed in this attack. And Ashad, even though he had agreed to organize a meetup, Ashad is still recovering and seems to be asleep. Uh, seems to be in some kind of like induced coma while he's recovering. Yeah, like got messed um, and, up pretty bad, I guess. Yeah, and there's like whoever the, his keeper is or steward is, that person is just like, you know, it's just not it's not time yet. Mm-hmm. Um, other than that, uh, they're kind of like, what do we do now? And Esteros is like, hey, at the Dreamscape Theater, there's been um, missing patrons. People have been disappearing up to groups of four. Maybe you can go check that out. And so they're like, okay, yeah, let's um, let's let's do it. Also, I should mention, by the way, through this all this stuff happening, they're also like workshopping um, 
group names. Oh, yeah, yeah. And so they had asked a couple of different names. They had come up with like, okay, Bertrand Bell. So maybe like we're the Trouble Bells or something. And Yash had been like, please don't use that name. And if you do, <laughs> don't associate me with you guys. Um, Estros also is like, yeah, you guys are kind of eclectic. So they're like, are we like the eclectic company? And they're like, no, that's no. terrible. So <laughs> they're working out the whole time. Um, just moving along, they do make their way over to uh, Zidana's home, who is the old woman that uh, Ladna and uh, Imogen have been staying with. And um, mentions that uh, Zidana mentions that she had been a, a, a crafter of pottery for the Mahan houses and even tells them how they can find some of her work. And um, separately, they all kind of uh, get into Imogen's room in this very tight space where Orem feels comfortable sharing more about what happened that led him on his mission. And apparently several years ago, um, an attack was made on the voice of the Tempest where uh, the people who attacked the tech was very quick and then they melted away into nothing. Very vague and ambiguous. Supposedly, the attack in Drusar was very similar. Mm-hmm. Um, but Estros also mentioned earlier that there's really no other details because this attack apparently came from within the house. Um, and the party actually supposes that maybe it's one of those holes that Duggar um, snotted out of. <laughs> so um, Orem does mention, Lada asked, did you know anyone who was killed? And Orem says, yes, I did. And uh, which is an interesting detail we might talk about later. But um, ultimately, you know, that's why they're here is to figure out if there's any sort of connection and what's really going on with that. Um, the party makes their way over to the Dreamscape Theater. Uh, it is very bougie, very, um, you know, gaudy, really sticks out like a sore thumb. And uh, they're trying to find a seat, but the tickets are pretty much sold out. And then Dorian pays 10 platinum, which is like 100 gold, Ooh. to the host person who's like oh yes right this way sir you know to your box seat and uh fern actually does manage to steal back six (laughs) of those platinum uh, out of the person's coat um once they've sort of seated and they're sort of waiting for the show to begin uh the host mentions to dorian hey there's a patron who wants to see you and everyone's kind of like well who's wants to see you and uh he's like yeah to bring them up here and they're like oh well they want to see you privately so he's like okay guys i'll be right back Goes down, it's this hooded figure who's like, what are you doing here? And Dorian's like, who who are you? What's going on? Reveals himself to be Dorian's older brother, Cyrus uh, Wyvern, Wyvernwind, I think? Yeah, Wyvernwind. Wyvern. Yeah, um, Cyrus, though, his older brother. And Dorian is astounded. He's like, how did you get here? Like, how did you get away? And um, he's like, I followed your lead. I did what you did. And so his older brother seems to be taking the same path that he did as well. Um, they agree to meet and talk later. And then Dorian makes his way back upstairs where people are like, what was going on? And he says, Oh, it was just, you know, a fan who had seen me perform somewhere else, you know, cause I'm from here and, uh, they just wanted, you know, to say hi. So, uh, and then that is essentially, um, uh, the episode. That's what happened on episode six of critical Role campaign three. Yes, sir. Well done. So much stuff. I hate that it's a day before because I love the journey of like mm-hmm. getting people's perspectives, thoughts, all those things. But um, first impressions on the episode? Yeah, I loved it. Um, 
I think I've, I've mentioned this before, but these these are honestly my favorite types of episodes. Uh, you know, I love a good intense combat session, but I'm I'm really here for the RP. So like that that drinking game they played, that was like, you know, a feast for me because I loved like finding out those details, and I, I want to steal that like that uh, that game idea for the next time I play D and D. Shamelessly stealing it, yeah, absolutely. Because <laughs> you know, I'm sure. leading a campaign, and so I'm like, can I do this next Tuesday? Does yeah, that work? You should, man, for sure. So. Yeah. Um, so loved that. And we just got, we got so many reveals. I mean, not least of all the one in the final moments where we freaking Dorian's brother shows up. Um, love the episode and F it, bro. Maybe my new favorite NPC that Matt just does such a great job of like painting a character and that he was just so creepy and stuck with me. But uh, yeah, yeah. Love the episode. Yeah. What about you? And crazy eyes. I uh, love the episode. Um, definitely it's one of those episodes like where you hit the pause button because I was watching on YouTube. You hit the pause button. You're like, dude, so much to talk about. So yeah. many great insights. Finally got the confirmation that Ladna is quasi dead, yeah. I guess. Um, and I, yeah, I mean, it was definitely like a so many story tidbits that happened so quickly that I wasn't also expecting to happen so fast in the right. sense of like so early. Um, and I'm fascinated. I'm really fascinated about each character's backstories. I was talking to my wife about this the other day and I was like, every character is so enthralling. Like I, I'm so invested in each character. Um, and, uh, yeah, I mean, it's, it's, you got so much great stuff and it just really makes you wonder, like, and you're starting to also see like some of the connections too, mm -hmm. like, um, you know, the Mahan house, the attack on the Loomis twins and how the attack presumably came from inside and the party supposed maybe it was one of those holes that we've seen. So yeah. those kinds of breadcrumbs are also kind of fun too, of like, okay, I'm seeing the interconnectedness of the story as well. Right. So yeah, which there's, there's so much happening here, by the way, it kind of mm -hmm. makes you wonder like this is one city on one continent and there's presumably going to be so much more elsewhere too. So, right. It's, yeah. It's pretty cool. For sure. Uh, where to start? Yeah, I mean, we kind of just, this is a weird place to start, but since that's what we just talked about, maybe the like attack. Yeah, from, sure. <clears throat> we, you know, we finally found out, which we kind of knew, but why Orem's here, what he's doing. And, um, mm -hmm. you know, we did find out that he, you know, I think we kind of had wondered like, you know, does he work for, for Keyleth or for the Ashari again? Cause it's kind of been like this cloudy area of like, what is he doing? Cause he says he wants a right. new start. Um, but we basically found out that uh, he he doesn't really. It's just that you know they they heard about this attack in Jusar, and you know noticed the similarities, and they know that Orum is like a traveler, and you know kind of does this type of stuff. So they kind of just more so asked him to investigate rather than like you know him still being the voice of the Tempest's personal guard type of thing. Um, but yeah, yeah, it, it lowered the stakes a little bit in the sense of thinking that they were there as like a continuation continuation of exu um it seems like you said like hey we got this random attack that we heard about it's very similar to one years ago here can you go see what's up with that yeah uh, not and i don't mean in a bad way lower the stakes it just it helped me frame their mission in less urgent means rather than like what's going on is it related right. to some stuff in exu um so which presumably i guess they sort of finished like their what they were doing with EXU because the impression I got was whether they were called back or went naturally, um, Fern mentions that she went with them to Zephra as well and right. saw the city or saw the 
country or whatever. Um, so anyway. Yeah, uh, and I'm glad you brought that up because I was going to forget about that part. But yeah, so we now know that this doesn't have any connection to the EXU stuff. So um, will we ever find out where that led? Is it still an open string that we may pick up? Is it done? Um, you know, again, I guess this is a good time to plug our video. If you haven't seen it, if you didn't watch EXU, um, we, we just put out a video last week about stuff from EXU that you might need to know for campaign three. Um, right. So I'm not going to dive into that here, but um, you know, there were some pretty big question marks at the end of EXU. So it, it's, I'm honestly kind of surprised that this isn't tangentially related. Um, you know, and this is just a completely new mission based on an attack years ago. Uh, so it'll be interesting yeah. to see if, if that stuff ever gets picked up. But anyway, the, the people should watch that video though for um now that we're getting onto this yet but when we get to talking about dorian mm. and uh some of the important things that happened with him this episode there's definitely context in that exu video that if you're watching this now and you didn't see that you might want to check out that video just to have some added details um because unlike what we're saying with the story being you know disparate or disconnected excuse me from um Orm's mission it does seem like dorian's story is picking up off the details from that he shared in exu mm -hmm. um anyway continue yeah i i was just gonna say it's it's interesting this these attacks because um you know one you mentioned that in the in the loomis situation um the attacks seemingly came from inside which meaning like I'm tr we didn't really get explicit definition on what that meant, but to me, I take it as like, there was no break in, there was no like forced entry. So like, right. um, you know, it could, that could just be as simple as someone left a door unlocked or it could be magic or, you know, a dugger hole. Um, but what the interesting connection to me was the fact of uh, in Zephra, the attack, um, which you mentioned, uh, Orem says, and he's witnessed this personally, just the attackers just like melting vanishing with no trace not leaving ash not leaving anything behind they just yeah i didn't i didn't understand if that was like purposely vague or i was having a tough time like i was like but what do you mean by that yeah um, so uh, I, I i don't know it seems like orum would if it had been like they teleported away i feel like he would have known and recognized that and said that so i feel like the fact that he says that they just vanished is like it's some creature or something that just poofs out. Is it from a different plane of existence and it poofed out when it took too much damage or, you know, I don't know, mm. a, a lot of mystery. And we don't really know what's interesting is the attack in Orem's home on Zephra was on Keyleth, who is their leader. But the attack here was on the Loomis twins, which we don't really know much about them, but so they might be very, very, influential and important but to me like the voice of the tempest is like six degrees of like powerful and you know influential above just some like random royal family so i'm wondering like what what the connection is here and uh you know there's there's i mean i, I don't really have much to go on here because it's just a big mystery but I, i'm just very curious about what we're unpacking here especially yeah and especially like the time jump of you know i think you said a it couple been years some, yeah yeah it had been some time and so you know the attack on keyleth not only is it like i guess if it was attack an attack on like 
a king or something, it would kind of make sense. But and I'm not saying this in the sense of like it's bad writing. I'm just saying like it it definitely leaves more questions than gives answers in the sense of the yeah, the levels of authority are very different. There's been a large time jump and we're in a location hundreds, thousands of miles away from Zephra. Yeah. So it yeah, the connecting the dots is very strange. And but I mean, I guess that's why Orm was sent on his mission was this mm-hmm. doesn't make sense. You know what's going on there? What's up with that? <laughs> <laughs> exactly. And uh I wonder still this is just kind of a weird jump, but um speaking of you know Bregio, since he was the one that you know has this information, hopefully. Um is it do we still think it's Travis's character? The fact because I mean I kind of want to transition to Bregio if you're cool with kind of leaving the attack. Because we found out a lot more about him that one he seems like it's going to be pretty old but i mean he he may be a race that that's irrelevant you know he could be yeah, 150 um, but maybe he's a druid yeah you know? so we got context of this person being a mercenary of some kind and having sort of spent their life as like a what was it like the bar um like bars noom is like oh yeah the anger will come in and like break up yeah, he, like, violent bar up fights. fights yeah had to get a real job and so became a bodyguard <laughs> Right. So um, it definitely, and I think they said like it's been years since that happened. And so like right. the reputation of the anger has kind of faded. So I do, I agree with you. I have the impression of someone seemingly older. There was also a comment of this character being a bit of a sellsword, which could be used as just a synonym for mercenary. Mm-hmm. But it did make me wonder if that was a tiny clue into, because we've all been asking like what class would um, Travis be playing? If, if he is a Shud Brezio, then I assume some kind of physical combat. Yeah, some you know. sort of melee. Yeah, yeah. Um, I, I don't know. I mean, for me, I don't I don't know if it is Travis or not. I think right now it's the it's the easiest um it's the easiest line to draw in the sense of we know there's sort of like this implicit like buildup of who's Travis's character going to be. Yeah it almost feels like it'd be a bit strange for it to just now be this random person. <laughs> um, so it seems like it's building up to that, but also I'm, I'm definitely getting to the point where like, I'm just like, okay, I want to, I want Travis back and I, I want Travis at the table. So I don't know. What do you think? Do you think he might not be? I, Reggio? I mean, we've been leaning towards that this whole time. Right. And I think I'm still probably on that side of the scale, but, and I, I don't know why, but the fact that he's like, I mean, Bertrand was old, so maybe he was just, priming himself for an older character but that made me think well maybe it's not but that's not really a good reason for me to have waffled on this because like he might be like we said he might be a race that he's still in the prime of his life he'd be a, he could be a 12 year old boy for all we know <laughs> just go the totally different way exactly <laughs> but yeah i don't know it just since you know he definitely seemed to be like i, I mean i guess i have no reason to think this but i was assuming he was kind of in like the twilight years but may, maybe he's still strong and as kicking as ever um but yeah i i did get the the sellsword vibes you did as well so i was wondering okay we already have a fighter not that they couldn't have two they've had two of the same class before um but i was thinking maybe rogue because travis has already played a a barbarian and i really don't think he would do that again um Mm -hmm. yeah i mean i guess money on the table i still think it's his character but i have doubt now yeah, yeah. I could see it being a rogue. That's kind of what I would envision. Um, 
And then race wise, I'm really curious what race he'll be mm -hmm. as well. So Me too. I kind of envision a dwarf. I, I do too. I don't know why. That's my that's my call for now. Yeah. So <laughs> anyway. Um well speaking of calls, I'm just gonna hop on that segue. I I have to mention this. The fact that there is a rumor that Estros is a vampire. I just got to give you props, man. Oh, <laughs> Episode dude, yeah. one, this guy yeah. was like, I think he's a vampire. Count it. <laughs> it's like, Count it. <laughs> yeah, I uh, got real vampire vibes from him. I think we might have even said like potentially like a werewolf or something, but um, they mentioned. So here's a couple of details. They mentioned that um, Yash, Yash mentioned that he never leaves his home. So we, we knew already that he was a bit of a recluse, mm -hmm. but Yash adds the additional detail of not only is he recluse, like he, he literally does not leave. Like he has totally isolated himself, um, in this estate. And so I think that gives more credence to the theory. I, but on the same token, I don't know if I see matt revealing that offhand but maybe yeah, that's what i, I don't know say it, it seems like it, it it seems like if he was matt wouldn't be like maybe he's a vampire <laughs> right you know right but um it does make me wonder if the relate we know there's something tricky about madame prudage's death we know that there's a rumor that she was killed by him we know that he seems committed to her legacy and protecting her and has sort of like stewarded her home um so maybe there's some weird like you know vampire uh ceremony that happened or something i don't know but it definitely seems like there is something that was maybe he didn't overtly kill her but there was like maybe like a mercy killing or related to mm. the predicament he's in now um i don't quite know but th there's definitely something there in terms of He's not just a normal orc, I guess. Yeah, interesting. Half orc. Orc or half orc, I can't remember. I, I get the vibe that he was, I guess, in love with her. Yeah, okay. So, um, I don't know. I mean, because he said like he, he worked for her for a really long time, right? And then she died and passed it on to him. Which, presumably, he hasn't always been a recluse because he talked about his time as a mercenary, like he had his own adventuring party and stuff. So surely, right. I mean, I guess he could be lying, but um, it's, it's interesting that, you know, if he is a vampire or whatever, then he hasn't always been, you know, something happened. Right. Uh, but yeah, I, I do agree with you that like, if, if the reveal is that he's a vampire, it kind of like softens the blow since Matt like introduced that theory himself, you know? Right. Um, but I think clearly the fact that that even happened means that those kind of clues were there. So again, I just have to applaud you for, for you know, we like to, episode one. We like to promote our awesome theories and ignore <laughs> everything else that we said That's that right. did not happen. So <laughs> That's right. So we get it right. Every 60% uh, of the time, we are totally right. Every time. So every time. <laughs> Oh. Yeah. Um, and I'm trying to think of like what other calls we've made. Um, the other big call that I'm still waiting on is that um, the Dorolo rat is Ladna waking up, in which we got the detail that she did die. Um, it's very interesting that she has a pulse. Um, so it, it, I think it's fair to say she is in this sort of like um, Princess Bride esque, um, only mostly dead. <laughs> 
you know, yeah. where, <laughs> you know, the uh, FGG like feels her pulse and there's this very, very slow pulse. So she seems to be in this like weird middle ground. But one of the other calls that I'd made was that, um, and she mentioned she woke up, she didn't say a tomb, but she said she woke up around a bunch of other dead people. Right. And um, my theory is that that is the um, Pate Dorolo was, you know, one of the dead rats in there, you know, feasting on the corpses, I guess, or I don't know. But makes sense to me. Which, what the heck's up with that? <laughs> yeah. You know? So, really. so let's let's. Yeah. Do, we, do we need to do we need to just pull the bandaid off and just like dump in some spoilers or like. Because like oh. every we keep getting details that I'm like, dude, I need to like fast track campaign one or something because mm-hmm. we keep getting these breadcrumbs that I'm like, I'm like, I don't know the details of that, but I was watching and this is part of the fun parts of Critical Role is seeing other people's reactions. I was watching um, Liam O'Brien. I was watching uh, Ashley Johnson. Yeah, 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 yeah. When the the, uh, the Briarwood person was speaking to Laudna, like they they were like, <gasps> what? And I don't know the context of that. I'm like, yeah. I'm like, this seems like a big deal, but I don't know what's happening. So, uh, do we need to? Do we just need to like rip this off and like get this over with? Or like, <laughs> am I like, am I, you know, keeping myself from a really awesome? I don't know, man. I like, I want to know what's going on and like the yeah. weight of it, but I don't want to ruin it. But I'm just like, kind of like Fight Club, you know? It's like, don't spoil Fight Club for me. And it's like, bro, it's been it's been like <laughs> 15 years, man. So I don't know. Yeah, I mean that that is interesting. I think there's at least there's a level of stuff that I think we can talk about that like I think is just interesting for people like you or anyone else that hasn't seen campaign one or people that have and just want to you know like talk about it. Uh, so I think I think there's a line. I don't know. We could try to kind of dance around it between like talking about what's readily apparent and not like diving into the nuance of like you know. Yeah. Okay. You know. Uh, anyway, but yeah, I loved watching their reactions, especially Talison, and he was like, "Oh, like I just put this together," and that was funny. But yeah, okay, so let's, I guess, let's unpack Laudna. Um, yeah. So we find out, and just jump in if you have any like specific question about something. But okay. I'm just gonna kind of like build. A well, I'll, here. I'll let you unpack, but I'm, I'm specifically, I'm unclear on the Briarwoods' role in, um in this part of the story. Cause I feel like I remember I watched like 15, 20 episodes of campaign one. I feel like the Briarwoods. You must were, have been like right at that part, like right where that was starting. I think. Yeah. I feel like they were related to Percy. I think yep. mm-hmm. it was in the intro, like when they give everyone's backstory and right. like yep. the Briarwoods had come to Percy's home, I think, and then caused a rebellion and like killed his family. I think, um, again, this yep. is all in the intro of like the opener. Yeah, yeah. Um, and so, so now I'm I'm unclear because I'm like, okay, were they? So un- unpack it for me without, I guess, while towing that line, okay. and, and we'll just go from there, I guess. Yeah. Okay. So this this is all stuff that like they've even talked about already in campaign three, like in, in earlier episodes. You know, when they found out she was from Whitestone. Um, so Lot is from Whitestone, which is this this big city in Exandria um, that originally was ruled by the Dorolos, which is just like this wealthy affluent family and one of the characters in campaign one is a Dorolo, uh percy um so his oh okay that's percy's last name oh okay yeah i gotcha so i thought this was like a totally different house (laughs) i was a man the the briarwoods are really big on like (laughs) they do it over people's homes yeah Yeah. (laughs) like how did no one see this coming okay (laughs) This makes so much more sense now. Okay, keep yeah. going. And so, uh, and again, <laughs> this this piece of information I'm spitting out is like in the character introduction for Percy. So like, 
this this part doesn't even spoil anything from campaign one it's it's literally like the backstory they give you before you start um but so his family ruled whitestone but there was like this violent coup where the briarwoods came in and like killed all the durolos and like took over whitestone and uh except for percy obviously he got away um <clears throat> oh so he's the long lost son mm -hmm. okay i'm with you yeah interesting so um interesting so the briarwoods were you know these evil people that took over this city and um where this lodna kind of fits into this is it seems like once the briarwoods were already in control of whitestone um you know, she was, uh, you know, I guess we don't know how old she was, but Laudna is a young girl that has arcane abilities, right? And her family are simple farmers, so they're like, you know what, we're going to get a better life for our daughter. Let's presumably give her to the Briarwoods because she's got these special abilities. You know, maybe they can, she can have a better life by going with them. And so they do that, and then here's where the kind of blanks are missing, is the Briarwoods kill Laudna? just why we don't know is it part of some ritual which they're into some weird shit and i don't want to get too much into it because i don't necessarily want to spoil that <laughs> but the briarwoods are yeah. are evil and yeah okay. are into they, some dark shit she does mention she thinks she was killed by like some kind of necromantic power or something so. yeah okay so presumably the the briarwoods kill her maybe as maybe as some sort of sacrifice like some sort of ritualistic sacrifice because she does mention she wakes up with a bunch of corpses, right? So maybe a lot of people were sacrificed, or maybe these people just died in a a, a skirmish or something. You know, I don't know. Um, okay, so <laughs> I was thinking died in the coup, but clearly but it, not. Yeah, I was originally okay. thinking that too. But the fact that like she was given to the Briarwoods presumably implies okay, that they yeah. were already in control, right? Well, my confusion was like they called them the stewards, so I didn't know if like the Briarwoods were like the janitors of Whitestone, <laughs> and like you know, let's take over, and you know, she was working as like a protege, you know, <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, I mean, this is great. This is great insight in info, though. Um, it makes me regret <laughs> not having watched Campaign One because I'm sure these moments are even more like, oh my gosh, like when you've seen the first campaign, so. Yeah, and so here's where it gets a little tricky that I don't really want to... Like, I mean, maybe we just decide to talk about this and give a spoiler warning, but I'm not ready to do that yet before we've, like, talked about that. Um, but so, Briarwood's evil. Um, what's interesting is now that... Uh, so th there were two main Briarwoods, I should say. Uh, uh, Delilah and Silas. And presumably... This isn't like full out confirmed, but it's pretty obvious uh, that Delilah is the patron of Laudna because she says like, hi, D. Um, yeah, that's the implication I got. Yeah. So it's. Well, again, this is. This is spoiler stuff that they themselves have already talked about, but clearly, you know, Whitestone gets taken back and, you know, it's it's like a normal place again. So um, uh, it's interesting is like, how did Delilah like she's a patron now so that's kind of where the, these question marks are and uh i mean i have i have ideas and but that's the stuff i don't really want to get into um but yeah and it, it's like i don't know I so don't know. so ladna's ladna's patron is some psycho killing person who's also dead and has somehow 
ascended to because aren't patrons aren't they gods or they don't have deities to be or they don't have to be like a god god but it's just like yeah, okay. like you can be there you can be lower than that so she's not a god so less god and more like um you know uh like, who's the bad guy in harry potter uh voldemort <laughs> yeah more voldemort yeah, yeah. just like very like, powerful entity around and yeah yeah okay <laughs> which i mean this is just I don't, I don't really like know enough to to i'm just gonna say it i i don't think she's necessarily dead i feel like she maybe isn't dead because like if you're dead you can't really be like a patron right like I, I, don't I don't know. know. That's that's kind of blurry territory, and I don't really Let know. Let us know in the comments your thoughts on the rules of patronage. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so does that? Okay. So she does not die in campaign one. Then I'm presuming, if you say that. Uh, I mean. <laughs> all right. All right. We'll leave it. We'll just we'll 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 leave it there. I guess <laughs> we we might we might talk about that later. But yeah, there's. So there, there is a lot of stuff I could postulate on and fill in some blanks here, but I just oh don't know if we're we just, ready uh, to we do just that need to yet. watch campaign one. We just need to watch this, bro. I'm down for a rewatch, man. I've only man, ever seen it to... the one time. Yeah, I just need to watch this again and go from there. I guess it's so, so good, dude. And yeah, it definitely. Uh, I mean, that's a pretty massive connection, but it'll be interesting to see like what other connections there even are because at least in campaign two compared to campaign one, they didn't. Re there were a few really cool Easter eggs in a couple moments but there really weren't substantial connections at all. Um, and not that this might, I mean, even if she is her patron, it's not like, doesn't necessarily mean like, Oh God, you have to watch campaign one. It still might just be, yeah, okay. you know, anyway, I, I digress. Um, but yeah. So what do you think? What do you think is the meaning of, um, you know, some things are better left unsaid. I think she, she just was upset that she told people like, Clearly, yeah, okay. Delilah uh, Briarwood doesn't want people to know that maybe mm -hmm. one, she's still a thing, or mm -hmm. two, just yeah. okay. knowing what like I know and what you know, you can just generally ascertain that she's not a good person. Mm -hmm. You know, maybe she is just you know doesn't want that stuff out in the open if she's got some like you know machinations working behind the the scenes. It is and, very curious, like what her what she wants, because you know if you're a patron, you give people power because you're having like. You have an ultimate yeah. goal, right? So, right. And a lot of mentions, to. a lot of mentions that she hadn't heard from her in a while, also. Yeah. So yeah. I'm like, I'm like, D, what you doing when you're not talking to Latna? So, and also, well, to answer that question, I, I feel like she is probably pulling other strings, right? Like, if she has That's what I thought too, yeah, yeah. If she has Latna, then she has other warlocks, you know, it's not just Latna. Um, but what was interesting, I thought, is that we we found out Ladna had abilities, like innately, Prior, like when she was yeah. born, which I think this kind of is the 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 I don't know what the word I'm looking for is here, but like the explanation for the fact that she's sorcerer and warlock is that like she maybe was born sorcerer and had kind of right. you know what I mean, and then the warlock was from when she was right resurrected, you know, or whatever, and mm -hmm. you know with presumably Delilah being her patron. And I thought it was really cool that, um, you know, her and Imogen were talking about like, you know, oh, cause, cause she kind of threatened Laudna a little bit being like, you know, don't go talking about this kind of stuff. And Imogen was like, has she ever done that before? Has she ever like punished you? And she's like, no, but you know, she just threatens to take away my gifts. Um, you know, her warlock abilities, uh, which I love this as like a character development 
is that's kind of the explanation for why she took is taking levels in sorcerer because she's kind of like trying to mm. gain ability and then just not even have to worry about you know if delilah takes away mm -hmm. her powers or whatever so i just thought that was a super cool like yeah and way to matt, explain the multi-class matt even had some kind of line where like lana even asked like has anything happened and matt sort of like you know smiled wryly and was like uh like not yet like nothing's yeah. happened yet so you're kind of like ooh, what does that mean so it's props to mad for this grander narrative and then these little story details being woven in in mm -hmm. such a smooth way um nothing really feels out of left field and nothing feels like um what's up with that like where, why is this <laughs> what, what's going on here why is this person here you yeah. know and so like even like dorian's brother um, which I don't know, are we going to eventually be calling him Bronte? Who knows? Uh, which again, if you didn't watch EXU, that's his real name, Bronte. Mm -hmm. And, um, what we also found out from EXU is, you know, he mentioned it in this episode, by the way, are we done with Ladna or I think so. You... Yeah. Okay. I think so. So what we also found out from EXU was he tells a story of where he's come from, but he's leading, making it very vague. And he essentially talks about being an heir to a kingdom of some kind. And there being drama between him, his parents, and his older brother. Um, and so now, presumably, that brother has shown up and also is uh, seemingly, I mean, this, this family must put a lot of pressure on their kids because <laughs> seemingly has also, for, for similar reasons, has opted to leave the family um, and follow Dorian's lead. Uh, I don't know what you're taking all of that. Yeah, see, the, the, yeah, very interesting. But one thing that kind of on that note about like the pressure of, you know, if they are princes, which he said they weren't, but, you know, the pressure of like following in your the high expectations or whatever is uh, I thought it was interesting is during the, the, the drinking game, um, somebody like asked that essentially. I don't remember the exact words, but they were like, oh, you know, too big of shoes to fill. So you ran away. And he said, no. It was like my own expectations that I like wouldn't be able to fulfill. So I ran away. So I, that was just like an interesting twist on it to me because the assumption would be, you know, too much pressure, but he made it seem like it was, it was something else. Um, and it, it could theoretically be both. I mean, it could yeah, be that's yeah. his reason, but the brother as, cause his brother next in line, so to speak, Right, similar pressure, but it was ex it was extroverted pressure rather than internal. So right. it could be both, I guess. Um, anyway, can, I didn't mean to interrupt you. No, yeah, you're fine. And uh, so I don't know. He's just been so vague about it. We don't really know what that means. But the fact that this is kind of out of left field, but it just it entered my mind when he said it was like his own stuff. Is part of me wondered? Is it like, um, like continuing the family line like dorian we haven't really found out much about dorian but maybe he's uh you know maybe he's not straight maybe he's bi oh. or, or gay oh. or asexual even yeah, and like okay. i cannot I can see that yeah like i can't you know give this family its next heir and so maybe he was like you know you know i don't know that's that's like i said it's kind of random but i was just trying to think of of ways or like what he Makes could sense. have meant by um you know not being able to fulfill his own whatever uh, but yeah, as, as far as, you know, that, then it wouldn't make sense of what the brother's situation was, but clearly, okay. Sorry. I know I'm rambling like crazy here, but the other tidbit of this information is the fake story he told 
Dariax in EXU, which was, and I'll give a really quick nutshell. Um, he was just, he was kind of messing with Dariax, who was Matt's character in EXU. Um, right. He was kind of messing with him and telling him, because uh, he, he's been really secretive about his his past. And so he kind of leans into to Dariax and is like, hey, you know, I'll, I'll tell you the truth. And he goes, you know, my family would these like famous circus performers, like trapeze artists or, th- or something, I think he says. And he basically says that his father performed for a king and the king like loved it so much that he was like, you're going to perform for me always. And uh, Dorian's father was like, nope, I'm getting out of here. You're not going to like control me. And so the king was upset by this and put out a hit on Dorian's father. So Dorian says that, you know, like if anyone were to to find out that I'm this guy's son, they're going to be after me too. So that combined with what we seemingly do know about the wealthy, you know, whatever is, is just kind of interesting trying to marry those two. Cause like, mm-hmm. is it just like stealth expectations and not necessarily wanting to live that life? Or is there also an aspect of like their, that family is like wanted and potentially, mm-hmm. you know, out to yeah. be killed type of thing. Yeah. Well, he, he, he has an, an extra detail. He says, so we know confirmed that from Marquette, which we knew, but that we had some conversations about it earlier also, but he also says, he's from a family that you would never have heard of or something like that, or maybe like where they're from, you would never have heard of, um, which maybe it is a, you know, a very localized place in Marquette that's sort of isolated, but that they are a very famous family is another route that I went in my mind. Um, cause, cause intersecting the fact that he apparently comes from money there's a bit of a, a royalty element to it, and yet this sort of unknownness of it, um, like those two things are kind of hard to to pair hand in hand, I guess. Yeah, and so. cool. I'm glad you brought that up because I wanted to ask you about that. Because he, when, what is the context of him saying I am from here? Do you remember? Like, who he, is he talking to? It's so the original comment is something about when they're first arriving in episode one and it's almost there was some comment around the familiarity of like him have been, been there, there. Before, yeah. yeah and then even tells them about you know i've i've stayed a night here all that stuff mm-hmm. but i think man i i'm not sure i was looking for my notes and i already closed them i think um i'm not sure when he says it honestly but he makes some comment of like it's you know, you wouldn't have heard of them or something like that. Is it was uh, it during the drinking game? I think it would have had to have been. I don't know where else it would have come up. Yeah. So I, I remember that catching my ear because you and I had talked about like, well, is he from here or is he just visited in, in the past episodes? So when he said that, I really I was trying to piece together if if that was him deflecting and that maybe it was not true. Ah, okay. or if it or if, if it was true. Um yeah. so I'm still not convinced that he's actually from here, but yeah. What do you think? Yeah, it's a great point. He's had a history, especially in EXU, of um, giving half truths, and so it could absolutely be the case. Yeah, you're right. Um, I have no idea, honestly. Um, there was something else that his brother Cyrus said that I don't remember the exact phrasing, but maybe you do. Where um, Cyrus is explaining, like, you know, I followed your lead, but then he has this comment that he says, "Does he says something like?" Um, like, you know, we're, we're destined to be wanderers, something like that. Do you remember that line? Kind of. There was some comment around like wandering and like, we're meant to wander or something like that. Yeah. And it was almost even like this, like, yeah, that's, you know, we're 
following our, you know, what we're meant to do, I guess. But it it made me think about the common in EXU when Dorian talks about when the cities fell. Right. The air the air cities um, that the air genasis were a part of, I guess. Well, at and least that's it almost, what we imply him to admit. I think he just right. said like when my people fell, and that's all he said. That's right. That's right. Yes. Great. Great point. Um, so like maybe his people have like seen this as like a curse or something of having to like now walk and wander the lands with everyone else. I, I don't know. I just, I thought that was a really interesting line yeah. and it feels like there's a really light tie in with, um, his comment earlier about when my people fell. So what's up with that? <laughs> yeah. It, and I don't want you to just like run back in circles here, but it's just interesting. Cause like we have that story that I, that I just referenced of them potentially like being on the run from something, but then we have these implications that they have just like voluntarily left their family and presumably their family is not on the run. They're okay. They just Dorian and Cyrus just wasn't for them for whatever reason. Right. Mm -hmm. uh, but I think one thing is, you know, Cyrus is like, we need to talk. Uh, so we don't really know what they're talking about, but I, and correct me if I'm wrong here, but I feel like Dorian asks, like, how are mom and dad, which one, you know, that means they're alive. So if that mm -hmm. story was true, his dad did not right. get murdered or anything. But two, I feel like his brother is like, well, we need to talk. So that makes me wonder, did something happen to their parents? And maybe that's why he's, I don't know. I don't right. know. And I, I also want to know, you know, he said, how'd you get away? And he goes the same way you did. So I wonder what that is like, you know, yeah, like, yeah. did you have to escape? Like, you know, there's so many questions. I don't yeah, have the, any answers. I think so. that was really interesting of, yeah. How did you get away was definitely a curious line of, you know, were you sort of in, not imprisoned, but like, you know, really had to be a big breaking out type of action or, mm -hmm. um, or I didn't know if he was just saying like method, method wise, like, how did you leave? And like, oh, I just, you know, got up and left just like same as you I, I don't know but um and i hate to say this i actually have to i have to leave in like two minutes okay. so we still have so much to talk about i feel like there were so much <laughs> great things in this episode um we've been running i guess for about an hour and a half now what like what other things do you want to talk about real quick before we wrap up oh man do you have anything in particular while i just i mean I'm, I'm i'm so curious about fcg and like his like program like they were really deep diving on his origin story and it it i think fern or someone said made a joke of like is that like forbidden access like you're not allowed to like right go back to that right um really curious about that um i'm really curious about dorian and the tin platinum like that was such a he rich crazy i mean it's such a crazy decision i guess um and then in general, the the dreamscape theater, I'm really curious about that as well. But yeah. All right. Well, let me just hit a, a couple quick bullet points then. Oh, uh, FCG, I, I agree. And, you know, we get the next episode coming out tomorrow. So we could even uh, talk about kind of some of these things, you know, in our next episode. Um, but yeah, super interesting that he like that those memories are presumably kept from him or he can't, you know, access. We don't know how he works, but you know what I'm saying? Uh, definitely a lot of intrigue there. Um, I guess I'll leave it there for now. Uh, but then Dorian and the platinum, I mean, I, to me that's, he's just wealthy, but also while it initially sounded like pretty crazy, I realized it wasn't, it's not that insane because they told them it was 10 gold each to sit in the front. 
And there's seven of them, so that's 70 gold right there. So the fact that he played platinum for the box seats, which are presumably more expensive than the front row seats, Fair. He probably didn't overpay that much, but it was still just like a baller moment. Of... And they've been getting some pretty big payouts too from Lord Esteros. So. Yeah, and plus he yeah. may have a chunk of change from EXU, depending on how they worked that out. Um, and then just as a, <laughs> a, a final thing really quick, uh, I had this thought while you and I were talking about the brother and the, you know, uh, Dorian saying like, when my people fell, I wonder if there's a connection to that mystery and this broomstone we're having because like you know bloomstone's what makes things fly maybe there's like some plan to get the air genasi back Dude, this up. is my this is my point man the interconnectedness of yeah. everything it's just like you're just like oh my gosh it kind of makes you it makes sense of like matt like jokes about matt being like locked away in his office like toiling <laughs> away at campaign three prep and you're just like what all is he doing i don't know and like you start to see these connections I think you make a really, and we'll probably come back to this episode, episodes from now and be like, hey man, you made the broomstone connection with the Air Genasi, and I don't know, but yeah, it's, I don't know. We'll but, see. Uh, unfortunately, out of time, yeah. uh, I apologize. I usually don't have to leave so quickly, but we just squeeze this episode in. Um, hey, we'd love to know what you think, by the way, guys. You know, what did you think about the episode? What did you like about it? Hit us with your favorite theories and just insights on the episode. You can drop it in the comments below. Don't forget, we are on Twitter at The Pixelist, and we are on Spotify, The Pixelist Podcast, where we will continue to post these episodes and also other um, shows and movies that we choose to watch. Um, so yeah, anything else you want to say? Uh, no. Uh, I, if, for anyone that's watching this episode, I'm very impressed because you know it's a day before the next one comes out. So shout out. Appreciate y'all checking us out, and uh, we'll see you in just a couple days. Uh, I know you got to go, but real quick, just do something crazy for a thumbnail. Yeah, yeah. All right. <laughs> <laughs> we'll be like, what was that all about? I'm like, we don't know. <laughs> all right. Well, thanks for listening. We'll yep. catch you later. Bye, See guys. Ya.